Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. I wonder what it's going to take for me, Chris Brow, to be considered an NFL Draft Insider, Mel or Todd. Is it like a 10-year thing? Because, you know, I'm just the host and you guys are insiders. I don't know. Gets you nothing. Josh, do you think you can change that? No, that's that's not my jurisdiction, bro. Hmm. Sorry. I think Todd's thinking probably 10 years, maybe, maybe more. I'm thinking anyway. at least 15. Yeah. We will see, though, but at least there's ready? two of them. At least Have we started yet? <laughs> yeah. At least there's two of them. Uh, Todd McShay, he's with me here in Indy. We also have Mel Kuyper, who knows a thing or two about uh, the NFL Combine. And, uh, yeah, Combine getting cranked up. Um, workouts really, you know, haven't happened yet. They're going to be happening pretty quickly here. And last week on this podcast, we went through the best offensive players in the draft. And, you know, there's some running backs, but there's a lot of question marks that it, at a couple positions, namely quarterback and offensive tackle. I don't think that's the case on the defensive side of the ball, Todd. I mean, don't you think this is one of – this is – I think Mel said it a couple of weeks ago. This is a draft where you see the you know, points go down for a year in the league. That's just the kind of talent that's on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's – you know, the secondary is probably stronger than, than we've seen in many years when you combine both the, the safety and cornerback talent. And then I think there's a lot of good defensive linemen, but there's a lot of sifting through in terms of what you're looking for. I mean, Miles Garrett can fit any scheme. He's a transcendent-type player, and he could be a, a defensive end in a 4-3, an outside linebacker in a 3-4, and, and you're going to get really good production from him. Solomon Thomas from Stanford, defensive end, is a guy who, who plays on the outside, probably fit best as a, as a left defensive end, could play some 3-4, a defensive end we could also kick inside, and which he did at Stanford, and, and rush from the inside on obvious passing downs. Taco Charlton is from Michigan. Is your prototypical, I think, right defensive end and four three defensive end. I think one of the more underrated players in this group. And I just watched Derek Barnett and Charles Harris last night. Mel uh, mm-hmm. Barnett from Tennessee, Harris from Missouri. Barnett's production is ridiculous i mean i think it was without looking 53 tackles for loss and 30 sacks the last two years something crazy like that and uh and for all the good that he brings i think he's best suited because he's so athletic so i shouldn't you know he's not he's explosive he's athletic he's smooth moving but I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to overwhelm with speed to power and drive offensive linemen back. So I think he fits better the more I watch him as a 3-4 outside backer. And I think the same for Charles Harris, who's even more twitchier, if you will. He's got suddenness that none of these other guys have, but he's the, the least strong of the group. So those are kind of the defensive ends. And then defensive tackle Jonathan Allen from Alabama can fit in any scheme. Is a three-technique or five-technique uh, five defensive end. Malik McDowell in, plays inside as a three-technique but can play some outside. And Caleb Brantley I watched again last night too. And he's a guy who's a perfect fit as a three-technique. Phenomenal with his hands, foot quickness, hand quickness. He does it all in, in that regard. Now, he's not going to anchor versus the run very well, but he's very active versus the run. And I think he's probably one of the more underrated players along the defensive front as well. So all those guys I mentioned are in the top 50. I would say Harris of Missouri probably is going to be the last one drafted of that whole group. But you're talking about um, eight guys I just mentioned that belong probably in the top 40, top 50 picks in this year's class. Yeah, it's a good group. And I, I think guys like Demarcus Walker at Florida State had a productive career, blocks field goals, can kick him inside as well, uh, has some versatility. Uh, Jordan Willis at Kansas State. Carl Lawson at Auburn, had he been healthy his whole career, uh, probably would have had a more of a, a higher grade than he does right now, but he's still up there in the first two rounds. Then you got some guys that are a little under the radar. I think Trey Hendrickson at Florida Atlantic uh, made a lot of plays off the edge, and Keontae Davis at UT Chattanooga. So there's some uh, some depth at that pass rush uh, position, however you want to call it, a defense. 
defensive end or an outside linebacker, but uh, there are a lot of guys that I think you can get within the first four or five rounds are going to help you put pressure on the quarterback this year. So let's stack the board a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. We got, went through a lot of names, but Mel, I mean, a recent big board for you, first five players on your big board, this is just best players, best prospects, we're all defensive players. You go through and you, you're hitting a lot of positions there, so is... Let's just let's just make it purely pass rusher. You can call it edge, you can call it five, you know, whatever you want. Mel is Garrett clearly far and away the best pass rusher in this draft, and maybe who's number two after that, Todd? Well, yeah, I think he is. Um, certainly, I talk about bending the edge. He does that better than anybody. He had the injury this year, which which uh, I think prevented him from having more production, obviously, than what he had. Uh, but yeah, I would say he's clear cut. Uh, I think the second best pass rusher in Todd right now, you'd probably say Taco Charlton from Michigan based on the way he played down the stretch and certainly in the Ohio State game. I think he would probably figure next as the best pure outside pass rusher. Uh, Derek Barnett's productivity, unbelievable, 30-plus sacks, 50-plus tackles for loss. Got all that. Interested to see how he tests. But I would say Garrett and Charlton it would be the one-two in terms of pass rushers. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think... You know, Jonathan Allen's just the most complete player, I would say, probably, because you get the inside. You know, he brings some inside pass rush and is dominant versus the run. But in terms of the inside guys, Malik McDowell has the upside, if you will. He has the athletic traits to develop into a, a highly disruptive pass rusher coming out of Michigan State. Caleb Brantley, as I mentioned. The thing with Caleb Brantley that's confusing is I went back and only – I think it's five or five and a half sacks the last two years. But I'm watching the tape, like Tennessee, for example. He probably had five pressures in that game. He had two other tackles for loss. He hit Dobbs on one in the arm where the ball just kind of pops up in the air. And I want to say uh, Tease Tabor comes down with it, a pretty easy interception because the ball was just floating in the air. And, and had one true sack. So he, he leaves that game with a bunch of pressures, a couple tackles for loss, basically a forced interception and a – and the one sack, but you look on the stat sheet and it's only one sack, you know. And so I, it's in. I'll be interested to see as I finish up his, his tape and, and look at the big picture. You know, sometimes you just worry about the production in college. I, I'm just not sure that that matches up with him. Uh, but I, I also think with outside linebacker, a guy that we didn't mention, uh, Tack McKinley from UCLA, who's got he, he played defensive end at UCLA. He's got to move outside to outside linebacker, six two, two forty five in that range. Very long arms, has no idea how to use his hands. But this guy plays as hard as any pass rusher I've, I've watched in years. I mean, he, I mean, the, first of all, the backstory growing up, no father in his life. Mom abandons him as a kid. Grandma raises him. Grandmother passes away a couple of years ago. He plays every down for her. I mean, reading it, you're almost tearing up. You can't help but root for this guy. And the effort that he shows play in and play out, I, I don't know. That he's, I know speed-wise, he's phenomenal. He's supposed to run the low four fives as an outside linebacker, but this is a, this he is a guy. The, I think Todd, he's he's run like a ten six hundred. I mean, that that speed's real. Yeah, no, he is explosive on a straight line, but he's not the greatest change of direction, and he's just got to learn how to use his hands. He's going to get eaten up probably early in his career, but I think as his career goes on, he'll become a better. Uh, player kind of like Vic Beasley did he you know the first year wasn't ready uh, but but learned some things and and really developed and improved his second year Mel who is the best interior defensive lineman in this draft well, I think Todd touched on Jonathan Allen. If you're going to use him as a three yeah. technique, I mean, he can really uh, create some issues you know, along the interior. Uh, so Jonathan Allen would be the guy that I think is the best. I think Carlos Watkins at Clemson is going to be interesting because he does get some uh, heat on the quarterback. Brantley, I agree. I thought I highlighted him during the year on ESPN.com after a game where he did get penetration. He did provide some issues for the offensive line and trying to handle him. He could get into the backfield and wreak some havoc, even though he didn't necessarily finish and get the sack. So I think I think Brantley's going to be one of those borderline late first, early second round picks. Yeah, Ryan Glasgow from Michigan, can he be like a Kyle Williams who I believe was like a fifth round pick coming out of LSU to the Buffalo Bills? We'll see like his effort. And then as far as outside guys, Hassan Reddick at Temple did it at Temple, and he showed at the Senior Bowl he could be in a multi-dimensional player. So yeah, I think he's really helped his stock. How does he test. T.J. Watt at Wisconsin showed he can hey, he can beat you out of the blocks and he can get around the corner and, and get after the quarterback with that high emotion he plays with as his brothers do as well. 
Uh, Alex Anzalone at Florida is another kid. Uh, you know, had a very good year. Uh, you have a versatile player like Chris Wormley at Michigan. Um, a guy that uh, you mentioned, Malik McDowell. I don't know what to make out of Malik McDowell, Todd. I mean, you watched him this year, and if you're getting blocked and handled by collegiate players, uh, all of a sudden you're going to flip that switch in the NFL. All of a sudden, take over. We've seen you know various games where he has over the last two years shown that kind of promise. That's why I think we both had him up there pretty high, just waiting and being patient with McDowell to finally really come on and start putting it together. That didn't happen. You can excuse away stuff all the time for guys who underachieve, but he, to me, is a, one of those risk-reward guys, those boomer bust guys that maybe somebody takes in the first round, but based on the way he played this year, I don't think first round is warranted. Yeah, I think he shut it down when they started losing, to be honest. And I, I think, which is a huge red flag. I'm not, that's not an excuse. But I, I, you know, talking to scouts that have in that area and have been around the program, he's a different cat, and you're going to have to kind of manage it. Uh, but he, he, he will work. He, he wants to be great, and, and I think he, he kind of got to the point where he decided that he wasn't going to let his future, you know, he wasn't going to risk his future if, if the team was, was lousy. And so I, I don't know what to make of that. I completely agree. But I, I'll say this. I would argue that he's the most physically gifted interior pass rusher in this class and arguably one of the ten most just naturally God-given talent uh, you know, in terms of his overall ability of all the players in this entire draft. I really like he, he has a chance to be great if he wants to be, but does he have the drive to be? And, and that's the scary part. Does he, Todd, does he need to be kicked outside a little bit more? I'm not saying, like, wide, but is that more conducive to really more his athleticism? And as Mel it said, could he be blocked. Well, I, I think he's the type of guy you've got to get – you've got to put him at the three technique. You know, he played some some nose, and it just – now you've got, you've got help on, on both sides typically. And um, I, I think as a three technique where he can first step – just get through the gap and, and start to penetrate and use that explosiveness. I think that's where he's at his best. I do think at times you can put him against a, a, a right tackle in the league that maybe isn't as athletic, and he can use the combination of quickness and power and have some success. But I think ultimately he'll be best utilized by moving him around in different spots and, and trying to just take advantage of some mismatches athletically. Mel, I'll let you get us started at linebackers here as we uh, race through the best defensive players at each position in this draft. You love Reuben Foster. You have him up to as high as three on your big board. You said not only was he good this year, he might have been better than Reggie Ragland was last year when they were side by side. Um, how high is too high to take this player since he's clearly the top, <coughs> you know, inside, you know, weak side linebacker in this draft? Well, I think it depends upon need because uh, he is a guy who uh, obviously will fit with certain teams more than others. Um, I think top 10 somewhere, certainly top 12 uh, projections obviously right now are going to vary. But uh, as a pure football player, I mean, he, what I liked about him last year, uh, I think he can run as well as anybody. He's athletic as anybody. He can get to the sidelines. He can cover. He can close. He can get after the quarterback. He can do a lot of things. There, Basically anything you need him to do. Plays with a lot of attitude and desire. Um, Got to like Reuben Foster, the way he plays. Uh, so I don't think there's any question that shoulder injury. See how that checks out medically uh, at the combine. It'll be one of the guys. It'll be interesting to see what the buzz is coming out or the talk is coming out. Jared Davis from Florida had injuries as well that, uh, you know, that bothered him. But uh, he's all over the field. He's not a sack guy. Uh, he'll test probably pretty well. He'll interview off the charts. I think Davis will be a guy from Florida who I think people will become enamored with as we move through the process into late April. Uh, Raekwon McMillan, Ohio State. Zach Cunningham, Vanderbilt, Anthony Walker, Northwestern are all guys that I think have a chance to go pretty early. Kendall Beckwith had the injury, but when he was healthy, he was a good player at LSU. Um, Todd touched on some of the outside guys. Tim Williams at Alabama is going to be interesting to see. How, where does he fall? We saw Justin Houston go in the third round coming out of Georgia several years ago. Uh, Williams a little up and down you know, off the field. gets the interview well and all that. Does he fall out of the first round completely? Uh, Ryan Anderson at Alabama had a productive career, but how is he going to test? Is he going to be just a, the really the great collegiate linebacker, great collegiate player who in the NFL won't be quite as good? So people are a little lukewarm on him. 
coming out. Juan Price at Pitt showed this year he could get after the quarterback. So he's one of those guys that maybe goes in the third, fourth, fifth round area, as we've seen with some of these fast rushers, but uh, has the production behind him. So those are just some of the guys at linebacker when you have all these combo guys. I didn't even mention some of the defensive ends. Todd did it. will be playing on the feet and when his feet like McKinley at UCLA. But I think the most intriguing guy, Todd, of all the linebackers, based on what we saw at the Senior Bowl and the way he played at Temple would be Hassan Reddick. Yeah, I would agree because of versatility too, and 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 the speed. We'll see if the speed is legitimate because he's supposed to be a guy that can run, you know, like I mentioned, four fives too. But um, Alex Anzalone, I don't know if you, you mentioned him or not. I, his tape is so good, man. I, I, we watched two more games of them last night, and I, I think he's a he plays better, is more polished, better instincts. Better, I don't want to say better athlete, but better in coverage than uh, Jared Davis. And Davis is better naturally in terms of athletic uh, athleticism and explosive initial pop. But Davis doesn't tackle as well. He doesn't finish as well, and his instincts and coverage are, aren't where you want them to be. So the problem with Anzalone is he plays like a probably a second round draft pick, but he's got a lot of injuries. You know his his. Arm was in a club in the game we were watching. Games we were watching last night. He's had multiple shoulder injuries, I believe. It's shoulder, mm-hmm. um, and so where's where's his medical? I think that's going to decide where he goes. But he's a really good player that's kind of flying under the radar. And I, I like both of the LSU guys. Kendall Beckwith, you mentioned, and and uh, I think Duke Riley's a little bit underrated. I know he's five eleven, two twenty five, whatever he, he is in terms of his size. We'll find out exactly here in the next couple of days, but. You just talk about instincts, the ability to cover, and being around the football a lot. I thought he helped himself a lot at that senior Levante bowl. David type of kid, Todd. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. But not quite as athletic, but in, the, in that same mold. Guys, let's jump to this secondary real quick. Um, Mel, Jamal Adams, safety, kind of a little bit everything. Matt Bowen, we did a piece last year. He calls Please. these guys monster backs. You know, it's not a linebacker. It's not. He's not a safety. He's a corner. I mean, you just get him on the field. Um, is this is this is this a landing Collins with the Giants we saw this year? If you use him right, I mean, is he that good of a player? Yeah, I think they are. There's some really good safeties. Uh, I think that's a position where you're going to get some some good players into the third, fourth round. Corner, Todd mentioned, is the depth there. A couple guys I think are going to be interesting to see how they test. Todd's at Indy. I want to see Desmond King, the Iowa corner. I mean, you look at him. Is he a tweener? Uh, we saw uh, you know the Iowa defensive back a few years ago to go to the Green Bay Packers and has had a nice career. And all of a sudden, here's Desmond King. You know, where does he figure? He's got the returnability. Had all those interceptions two years ago uh, with the ball skill. How does he test? Uh, will determine whether, in fact, he is a second-round pick or falls a bit. I want to see Marlon Humphrey, how he tests. I like Marlon Humphrey, but he was beaten in coverage some this year. And he's uh, you know, got the bloodlines with his father, Bobby. Does he run like he's supposed to? Does he test in terms of athletic ability with that vertical over 40? See how he does. I think it'll be interesting there. Um, safety-wise, Obi Melifanwu, who from Connecticut, who had a really good year. He had over 350 tackles in his career. Uh, you know, Good senior bowl week, has the range and, the, and all that that you want. Uh, how does he test? Um, I want to see Josh Jones from NC State and Josh Johnson, BC, how they do. Uh, Buda Baker, really good player. Size will work against him, but when you watch him, you got to be impressed with how he plays. Then you got the wild card, Jabril Peppers. Uh, you know, if he tests off the charts, Todd, maybe people give him a little benefit of the doubt and say, yes, he is a tweener. Yes, he doesn't have a defined position, but he is an incredible athlete, so much better than everybody else that we just got to take him and put him on the field and find ways to utilize all that talent. So how does he test? And obviously Malik Hooker with the injury issue, the medical for Malik Hooker uh, coming out of Ohio State early for a top-10 pick. He has had some injury issues as well. Yeah, I was just, just looking it's interesting to see. The last five years, we've had an average of six defensive backs, corners and safeties, drafted in the first round. The most we had was in 2014 with nine, and then uh, an average of 11 defensive backs in the first two rounds, with the most being in 2013 with 14. So six is the average for the first round, 11 is the average for the first two rounds. And I'm just looking right now. And I've got seven, 13, so 20 defensive backs with grades in the first two rounds right now. 
which is pretty, I mean, it's amazing when you look, when you look at it. And I've got five, four plus four, eight, eight uh, in the first round. And then there are a few that are right there on, on the fringe. So we, we could have, I don't want to, I don't want to say a record setting year, but certainly in the last five years, this, this looks like the strongest defensive back group uh, that we've seen. Marshawn Lattimore to me, and Tease Tabor from Florida, Lattimore from Ohio State, Tabor from Florida, the best two man-to-man cover corners in the class. Uh, Lattimore's more athleticism, quickness. T- uh, Tabor is, is really smooth and quick as well, uh, but he's, I think what makes him really good is how effective he is using his hands, and that's going to be so important when you get to the league and you know, working against receivers that know how to get off the press. And he just does a great job of keeping receivers in check and using his hands to keep leverage on these guys and has really good instincts. And, you know, with, with Lattimore, I think he'll develop that over time. But, and I think he's a little bit more twitchy. But, uh, but both of those guys are, are outstanding in man-to-man coverage. Sidney Jones is really good. His instincts stand out to me coming out of Washington. And, um, and Quincy Wilson, was, I was impressed watching more tape of him. Uh, he's got a chance. He's not quite as, as smooth and athletic as Tabor, but I think he might be a little bit faster top end. We'll see uh, when everything comes out. But even guys like, you know, Dory Jackson, unbelievable physical tools. Can, can he learn to read faster and, and get the recognition skills so that he doesn't get burned deep? Uh, Jordan Lewis, I... He, to me, is he's just the hip pocket guy. He shadows as well as any cornerback in, that I've seen in the last few years. Just he, He's not the biggest. He's probably not going to run the fastest time, but this guy has unbelievable instincts, and I think he's going to be a great number three or a really, really good number two, and you can get him on, on day two. So you went through a bunch of the safeties as well, Mel. This, this group is, is just so loaded. Marcus May is another one who stands out to me from Florida, the safety position. He can He's... Keanu Neal was more physical. Marcus May will hit and, and support, and he's around the ball, and he's a good tackler. But what he does really well is cover both in zone and man, and I think he's a little better in coverage than, than Keanu Neal was coming out last year, and he was a first-round pick with the, the Falcons, obviously. They wound up with two Florida DBs that started and played you know, all the way up and through the Super Bowl uh, with Brian Poole, the cornerback, that they got as a free agent. So they had a, a great draft last year. Um, and then John Johnson from, from BC is another guy I want to keep an eye on here. 6'1", six, six 205 pounds. Can he run that 4-5 range? Because uh, he had a really strong week at the Senior Bowl. Is there anybody left, Mel? Uh, I think we have Marcus Williams from Utah is another safety at the injury this oh, year. I think mm-hmm. he does. Uh, you know, uh, John Johnson from BC, Todd mentioned. Eddie Jackson from Alabama played corner, moved to safety, then had the injury. Also a really good punt returner. Uh, Justin Evans, Texas A&M is another one. So, I mean, we can just go on and on. The defensive backs in this year's group, both corner and safety, as deep and as talented as we've seen in a long, long time. So you got pass rushers. Uh, you got some run stuffers. We didn't even mention a defensive tackle. They're just solid. Dalvin Tomlinson and some others. Glasgow, they're really good. So I think just the defensive side of the ball, it's so strong this year. The, first, the last first-round projection I did, uh, they, you look at the guys that were in the first-round area, it was a host of, a, a tremendous number of first-round defensive players that were in that group. I think the number ended up being after all was said and done, 19 defensive players in that first-round projection at mock number two. So it is a year where if you need defensive players at any position, really, uh, you can find them. We promise to give you the best defensive player at every position, and we just named 114 400. players by my unofficial count. I have Todd with a slight edge, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure we can. I've got, I'm I've sure got we a lot of juice this morning. That. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a we quick a break, and then we are going to jump into the draft board as we uh, count our way down through the first round. Bengals, Bills, Saints, and the Cardinals on the clock in the next minute. But first, a word from Zip Recruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place just isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want the perfect hire, you need to post your job to all the top job sites. Who has time for that? Well, these guys do. Now you can do it. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. You can do it all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. 
Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. You don't have to juggle emails or calls to your office. You just quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first draft. That's ZipRecruiter slash first draft. One more time. Try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first draft. Welcome back. Believe it or not, some people still don't get podcasts, why they're special, and even how to listen. But you can help change that with one click. Right now, think of someone you care about and ask, what podcast would they really love? You got it? Now do it. Hit the share button on the left of your screen. If they don't know how to listen, offer to show them how. Tell us what you shared with the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y pod. You get it? Thanks for spreading the word. The Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals, according to our NFL Nation reporter, Catherine Terrell, really need uh, to clean it up on the defensive side of the ball. They really need speed, in particular, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, You know, they've, they've drafted really well. They had drafted really well in recent years. The last two years, there's some question marks. We just still don't know what... Cedric he's going to be, Jake Fisher, uh, you know, the first two picks in that 2015 draft. William Jackson, uh, obviously an injury, was the first pick in last year's draft. Tyler Boyd had a promising rookie year. This year, though, it seems like, you know, back to that defensive side of the ball, particularly up front, one name um, that could come into play here, Mel, maybe Reuben Foster. Just yeah. pick up the speed at linebackers, a problem there. Yeah, Vontaze Perfect, uh, when he's out there, is a great football player, but they need some help as well. And Foster, as we say, he can fly to the football, great speed, will be on the a, on a field, every down player, every down linebacker. Uh, pass rushers they need. They also need on the offensive side, the Bengals do some wide receiver help. Uh, losing Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu and then having Eifert injured at tight end a lot. Uh, they need uh, another weapon there, but I think certainly Reuben Foster uh, would fit in very well with the Bengals in the front seven. What about a Taco yeah, I, Charlton here, Todd? Yeah, I, I was just going to say Taco Charlton, uh, Solomon Thomas from Stanford. We mentioned both of those guys and, and the type of players they are. I mean, listen, the pass rush fell off a year ago, only 33 sacks last season. I think if there's a, a player there along the defensive front, whether it's you know nose tackle, defensive end, I think it makes sense you, you wind up Listen, I, I don't mind ever drafting a defensive line. If you're in the top ten, to me, it's pass rusher, cornerback, quarterback, offensive tackle, and, and wide receiver, possibly in this this day and age. And uh, and to me, if, if you got a, a defensive end like Charlton or Thomas, where the grade matches up, I, I think you can't go wrong. One other quick one on the Bengals, Mel, to consider. There's a lot of talk, uh, certainly here in Indy, that this is a this is a team where. We know Andy Dalton's going to be around a while, regardless of what, you know, if you think he can become truly great or whether he's kind of where he is. But A.J. McCarron is a, is a guy that there's folks around the league that are interested in maybe trading for him. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be a huge compensation. But suddenly that leaves a hole there and you, you might end up drafting another quarterback. Could. I mean, that to see what happens with McCarron. I don't know a lot about him except what he did at Alabama and, of course, in the preseason and all that in the NFL. But, yeah, they could. I mean, there's going to be some quarterbacks in the third, fourth, fifth round area, whether it's Brad Kaya, Miami of Florida, whether it's Nate Peterman from Pitt, Davis Webb, Cal, Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech. Yeah, they can pick somebody up at that particular point. But uh, with that, I think if it gets down to a Solomon Thomas, Taco Charlton, Reuben Foster, you're going to have some really good defensive players staring you right in the face. I, I think that's the, the position they have to go after. Uh, it can't be all just about perfect. When he's not out there, it's a different team. Uh, certainly pass rush, as Todd said, was not there. So I think you know, when the defensive players of that caliber, whether Charlton, Thomas, Foster, are going to be there, at least two of those three probably will be there. Maybe all three will be there at that point. Uh, they're going to be in a real good position. The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills had the plan last year to get some defensive players and get, get that defense it really fell off a cliff in 2015 better. 
So they got Shaq Lawson out of Clemson to help the pass rush. He hurts his shoulder. He's out. Medicals you know, just didn't work out. They get Reggie Ragland to help the defense. Hurts his knee in camp. He's out. I mean, they really just, you almost have to give him a mulligan on the 2016 draft. But the thought, though, maybe those guys will be on the field this year at a high level and playing better. But Todd, if they don't have Tyrod Taylor, what is going to go on with them? I mean, you can't necessarily draft one of these guys thinking, all right, we'll plug him in. We'll be fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what are you, Todd? Todd, you're the GM here, and you have to deal with this quarterback situation. What are you doing when it comes to Taylor, free agency, and the draft? I'm trying to get Taylor back. I, I think he, I, I think he can play at a high yeah. enough level that you can win with him. Now, I don't, I don't know that he's ever going to be elite, but what I hate saying this, but you know. What kind of organization has he been been in? What kind of support has he gotten? What kind of coaching has he gotten? Is he in the right scheme? Are they utilizing him properly? I think there's a lot of things there, questions to be answered moving forward compared to what we've seen so far. And it, I don't see any of these quarterbacks as slam dunks being better. But if they decide that that's the case, I would understand it. I'm not saying it's crazy, but I would personally try to get Tyrod back. And then you, you start to look at the the rest of their needs there's i mean they're picking at 10 there were seven and nine there's a handful of them i think wide receivers one offensive tackles one cornerback is one uh, safety so uh, the secondary we talked about the strength there you're not going to get an offensive tackle maybe wide receiver and i also think you know with cleveland sitting at 12 this wouldn't be a bad spot for buffalo to actually move back Unlike they, they did a few years ago moving up to go get Sammy Watkins and giving away, I think they gave away the first pick in 2015, right? That's why they didn't have a first-round pick. Yep. So uh, to me, this is a team that needs more good players not to make a big splash with one player early on. What do you think, Mel? Would you, uh, would you go with uh, a quarterback at 10? If, well, uh, first of all, I think Taylor's this is a team there. that's very, very hard to figure because of the whole Tyrod Taylor question. Is, is he a guy you want yeah. to commit to dollar-wise? Uh, or do you want to go with him, bring a Mike Glennon in? You talk about drafting a quarterback. That quarterback's not going to be ready right away. So I think that they have a dilemma here. they got to figure this all out. So that's why it's really hard to, to try to determine where they're going to be come late April because then by then we'll know. But I think wide receiver, whoever the quarterback is, the wide receiver position is really iffy. Watkins can't stay healthy. The offensive tackle spot could use an up great there and and uh, some some better performers on the offensive line some better performances week to week uh, could be uh, something that they need but that's the coaching secondary wise safety is a neat area but I think when you look at quarterback that's why all this other talk about we need to upgrade here we need to upgrade there the, if you don't have to figure out what you're doing a quarterback whether you want Taylor back if you don't you got to find somebody and this notion well we'll draft a quarterback is any quarterback going to be ready to step in and play this year Todd at any high level no I don't think so so uh, I think you know Mike Lennon's the interesting guy because do you think that would you rather have Mike Lennon if you're a Buffalo Bill fan or bring back Tyrod Taylor? I think bring back Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Todd, I'll give you one. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not certain of it, Bills. but I, I. I mean, he completed 62 percent of his throws. He, he had 17 touchdowns and six interceptions. He, he was under a lot of pressure. They had a good, solid run game, but they, but you know, look at it, the receivers. You got Robert Woods. Is, was basically his number one for a majority of the year, for a good portion of the year. Sammy Watkins only has uh, 28 catches on the year, misses time because of the injuries you mentioned. I mean, Marquise Goodwin was his number three guy. Mm-hmm. And so but when, you, the money when you look at it, yeah. what's that? It's going to down the money. Yeah. No, I know. I, yeah, I understand. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm just making an argument for right. why if you can get anywhere close to financially where you want to be. Um, I just think Taylor, now that he has familiarity there, it, new regime, I, I just that would be the route that I, I would go. And I would then also draft one. I would draft a, I don't whoever it is, Pat Mahomes or Nate Peterman. I would draft someone who could develop and maybe push him a couple years down the road. Quick follow on this, Todd. You get your wish. Tyrod Taylor stays around. Would you consider a receiver at 10? You just listed what he was dealing with. Is that Mike Williams? Is that Corey Davis? Because, hey, frankly, Sammy Watkins, there's, a, there's obviously nobody's denying the talent. The availability has been the problem. Right. 
Well, I mean, we won't Mike know from Williams, Williams Todd. You won't know from Mike Williams till what he runs. So once he he works out, he would, this time next week, Todd, when we do this podcast, and Mike Williams has worked out, you'll have a better handle on whether that's a viable pick or not. Yeah, that, very rarely do I put a lot of stock in a, in a single forty yard dash, but that, for Mike Williams, I, he's checked off just about every other box, and I feel really great about him as a, a, an overall player. I just need to know what his real speed is because it looks like he builds speed. Challenges, but ever a lot of contested catches, and I, I just don't know if he can get down the field to be that that premier guy that you're looking for. But I, I like every, just about every other part of his game. The New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, recently told reporters, as uh, our NFL Nation reporter Mike Triplett reported, that edge rusher and cornerback are quote must for the Saints this offseason. Obviously, free agency could be part of that, but great pass rushers don't come cheap there, and either do cornerbacks. So, Mel, Sean's got an offense he likes, even if his quarterback's getting up there. Drew Brees will be 38, heading into the final year's contract. Do you agree? Yeah, I think you have to agree. Cameron Jordan had a heck of a year. He's been a great player, uh, you know, coming out as the 24th pick overall, I believe, out of Cal. And they went for the defensive line last year, the interior. But uh, certainly I thought Solomon Thomas, if he were there, uh, would be somebody to think about. Defensive end, Taco Charlton, if he were there, probably won't be at that particular point. Uh, you talk about corner. Uh, at that juncture of the draft, there will be. Tredavious White from LSU, local product. Do they go that route? Tease Tabor will be there. Marshawn Lattimore will be gone. So they'll be maybe looking at their their second highest rated corner uh, coming off the board at, at pick number 11. And a defensive lineman that can get after the quarterback, a pretty good one as well, if in fact Charlton or Thomas were there. Um, like I said, I think you look at that right now, it could fall pretty well for them. If they do have a pretty high grade on a corner like White or Tabor, they'll be able to get one of those two guys at 11. Yeah, I, 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 Tabor, if he's sitting at 9, I mean, I like Lattimore and, and Tabor. If either of those guys are at 9, it would be a tough decision. Now, if those two guys are there and Taco Charlton's there, it, it'll be interesting to see. But um, you, you look at this team, there's, I mean, he said it. It's so obvious that they're not even afraid to say it publicly. I mean, you, they've just got to be able to cover better, and they've got to get more pass rushers. And you look at you – know, they just their drafts are kind of all over the board. They, you go back to 2010, even in 2009, they spent – their first pick on Malcolm Jenkins at safety. 2010, first pick on was at uh, cornerback with uh, Patrick Robinson. 2011, first pick was Cameron Jordan. They hit, hit on that, and he's a good defensive end. But then the next the next year, they don't have a first or second round pick because of everything that went on. And he, they wind up taking uh, Akeem, uh, Akeem Hicks, sorry, uh, from Regina former LSU player at the defensive end position. Then the following year, Kenny Vaccaro, a defensive back. So we're talking about an organization that spent just about all of their first picks from 2009 through 2013, one, two, three, four, five years, on defensive end and cornerback, and yet it's still a need. And so that's the frustration when you look at it. And the defensive tackle a year ago as well. So they've really been pounding those areas in the draft. And while they've had a little bit of success, overall it, it has not been as successful as you would want. So the, the Saints, they've got to get it right this time around. And I think with Tabor, Marshawn Lattimore, or Taco Charlton, Solomon Thomas, although Thomas to me is a lot like, um, is a lot like Cameron Jordan where he's just not – I think they need a guy who's speed off the edge. Not necessarily more of the guy who can move inside and, and be that uh, powerful guy as well. So to me, it's more of a speed rusher like a Taco Charlton would make sense. One thing to cap the Saints here before we take a look at Arizona. Chris Mortensen reported earlier today that Brandon Cooks is a guy that has emerged in trade talks uh, with some other teams. Apparently the Titans have you know, had some interest, possibly the Eagles. If Brandon Cooks gets shipped somewhere, that could net the Saints, you know, perhaps another first, more likely, you know, maybe something in the second round range. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. But as Todd and Mel Bull said, they're going to have to continue to stockpile defensive players because for all the efforts there, it just hasn't come together. And at least to their credit, 
Great pick, obviously, last year with you get Michael Thomas in the second round at number 47 overall, one of the best rookies in the NFL last year, period. 92 receptions, over 1,100 yards. So they do, they, they could afford to lose Cooks and still uh, keep that passing game flying. The Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, guys, there is a question here uh, at cornerback. There's also a question here at wide receiver suddenly. Uh, Michael Floyd is obviously no longer a part of the picture. Uh, you know, that was, that was major draft capital when he came in. And then obviously Larry Fitzgerald, there's still some indecision there on, you know, maybe even assuming he plays this year, this could certainly be the last year. Um, you know, suddenly a team that, you know, that we really liked the personnel situation a couple of years ago, have been drafting well, but there's some pretty clear need areas now. Uh, Todd, you can kick it off. Um, what are you looking at here? Well, I think quarterback's interesting. When do they decide to pull the trigger? Because it's my understanding that they were, they really wanted to draft one last year and it just, it didn't work out in terms of the guys they liked and, and being taken before their, their picks. Um, so when are they going to pull the trigger? Would it be this high? I, I tend to not think so. And my guess is that they'll try to use a, a day two pick on a player to develop, like a Davis Webb out of Cal. We mentioned Mahomes uh, from Texas Tech, Nate Peterman from, from Pitt. There's a lot of guys that, uh, that are day two prospects at, at the quarterback position that have some developmental upside. Uh, to me, Reuben Foster, if he falls here, I, that's where I had my mo- last mock draft. If, I don't think Reuben Foster belongs this late. I think he's one of the top ten players in the class. But because of inside linebacker, if he falls here, that would make sense. Defensive line, I, I think that they could they could head in that direction if one of the defensive linemen that we've talked about falls a little bit just because there's so many defensive players coming off the board early. Cornerback is another spot. With all these really good corners, I mean, it's, you get Sidney Jones at 13 after a couple of the other guys go off the board. I, I think that becomes a good pick, too. So, they, yes, they have multiple needs. They've got a little bit of flexibility. But I think inside backer, D-line, cornerback, and quarterback at some point will probably be some of the areas that they address. Mel, should they consider the quarterback position? I think Todd touched on it. You consider it, but uh, first of all, is one of the two going to be there? Uh, no, uh, the way it looks right now. And then you think about where Carson Palmer is. Yes, you want a quarterback, the heir apparent. Who do you like? Uh, do, you, do you want to take Deshaun Kaiser uh, in round two out of Notre Dame? After that, you get into guys like Todd mentioned, like Mahomes and company. But I think cornerback is an area. You look at Tease Tabor from Florida. That would be a, a team that you could pencil in. Maybe Tredavious White, LSU, a corner for Arizona, the Williams kid coming out of A&M, former running back. Hey, they were raving about him in preseason. Once the bell rang, he was getting beat right and left. So uh, they got to get a corner. And wide receiver with Fitzgerald was a contested guy coming out. Contested catches went his way. There even people were criticizing that pick when the Cardinals took Larry Fitzgerald right as the best player in that draft. Todd. They said, well, is he going to separate? Is he fast enough? Is he, he's a Hall of Famer. Mike Williams is a guy you're concerned about. Will he separate enough? He gets those contested grabs. So maybe they see a little bit of Fitzgerald in Williams. If Mike Williams is there, they could bring him into the fold. Corey Davis, Western Michigan, we'll see how uh, he moves forward in this process, whether he's right there as well. Uh, but I think corner, I, I could see them going to that position just because of the way they'll fall with Tabor, White, and company all being around at that point. Lots of options for the Cardinals. Uh, that's the fourth team we hit today, Bengals, Bills, Saints, Cardinals. Now we are going to jump to some of your mail. Your mail is in. Went down, picked it up myself. Mel, let's fire through this because there's a bunch of uh, pretty good questions here. We'll start. We just talked about the Saints earlier, but Victor Holcomb asked, hey, all this buzz around Solomon Thomas, any chance he's still there at 11? You know, I think he's borderline for 11. I had him going there in Mach 2, but, yeah, there's plenty of teams in the top 10 could be looking at him uh, if he's there. Uh, you know, I don't know if Taco Charlton's going to be there at that point. I would doubt it uh, as a pass rusher. Uh, they went defensive line last year. Uh, you have Cameron Jordan. I just think corner. I think corner is where it may fall. I, if they're gone, then, uh, again, you look at the corner from Florida, Tease Tabor, the corner from LSU, Tredavious White, uh, you know, Sidney Jones from Washington, a little rich for me at that point for him. But I think corner could be 
a position that the Saints can get. And then uh, you look at the depth at the defensive end pass rusher spot. If you want a guy coming off the edge in the second round, uh, I think you can get one. It can be pretty doggone good for you at that point. Uh, even in the third round, Trey Hendrickson from Florida Atlantic, Keontae Davis, UT Chattanooga, uh, you know, a Jordan Willis, Kansas State. There's going to be some good second, third round defensive ends. So you don't have to feel like, oh, if we don't get Thomas, we don't get Charlton, we're not going to find one. This is a year where even if you lose the guy with the 11th pick, you can get him in the second or third round, a player that's pretty pretty good coming off the edge getting after the quarterback. Mel, this mail is all yours now because Todd had to pop off and uh, yeah. go yell at people while they bench press. So, sticking it with you, Jim Widener at Jim Widener 51 asks, do you think Temple's Hassan Reddick, you've talked about him a lot, will be available when the Packers are drafting, obviously late in round one? He could be. Uh, you know, the Packers obviously have a lot of different need areas. Uh, one of them is uh, a pass rusher. We'll see what happens with Nick Perry. But I think you look at Reddick for the Steelers at 30. Uh, Reddick's the kind of guy that uh, I think could go a little bit earlier than that. Uh, there's plenty of teams that could use a guy like that. He can get after the quarterback, showed at the senior bowl, he can cover. Uh, if he tests well, he could be gone a little bit earlier. But I think right now, if you had to say, where, where do I think he'll go? I think he'll go 30 to Pittsburgh, which means he'll be there for the Packers at 29. This could have basically come in from uh, ESPN or Mina Kimes, who is the biggest Buda Baker fan there is that I know. But Daniel Tubin at D Tubin Four says, "Mel, why is Buda Baker not higher in rankings? What's he lacking?" Well, the size factor. I mean, that's the issue is the size. How he tests, if you test great, the size isn't that big a deal. And I think in today's NFL, it's not. I thought about Kansas City for Buda Baker when I did the last mock. I gave him Zay Jones from East Carolina. Uh, the fact of the matter is, are you going to put Buda Baker ahead of Malik Hooker? You're probably not. You're going to put him ahead of Jamal Adams? No way. Jabril Peppers is a wild card. Uh, Obi Melifon was moved up from Connecticut. Maybe ahead of Baker. We'll see. They're both in that same group in certain, certain range, same exact range in terms of grades. Mark Williams, Utah is an underrated guy I like. I've liked him all year. So, uh, you know, of course, he had the injury. But you look at what he did two years ago, exceptional. Looked like maybe a first or second round pick. So, Buda Baker, to me, as a pure football player, Chris, may be one of the best 10 to 15 players in this draft. When you do the rookie big board next year, wouldn't shock me if Buda Baker was on that list early and stayed on that list the entire year. Uh, I think he's a late first, early second rounder. You know, everybody in Seattle really wants the Seahawks to grab a Buda Baker and unfortunately, Buda Baker doesn't block uh, Russell Wilson's blind side, but they think he's – they see a little bit of Earl Thomas in Buda Baker. And that, I mean, that's ridiculously high praise, but I think there's a little bit of that out there. Vols fan. I wonder who he's going to ask about. Vols fan. At Vols fan 0531 says, hey, Mel, what a good combine elevate Derek Barnett into the top ten. As you pointed out earlier, 33 sacks this guy has, but you wonder – if they, he's just a great college player. What do you think? Yeah, 52 and a half tackles for loss. This guy was active. He was around the ball. He was making plays against the run on the way to the quarterback. Uh, very impressive kid to watch. But as he tests, what's his length? All the numbers, those measurables for the underclass, and we don't know. If Derek Barnett has the great measurables to go along with the great tape and the great production, yes, he's not there. Uh, and where I have him going right now in the first round to the Giants at 23, who will, I think, love to see him there at that point, needing a pass rusher the way they do. He won't be there if he tests great. Where would he go? Uh, push him all the way up. You know, you can think about teams like Indianapolis. They need a pass rusher. They don't have you know Dwight Freeney anymore. They don't have Robert Mathis anymore. All those great pass rushers the Colts have had over the years, they don't have. So I think he could go up to 15 very easily. Uh, if in, in New Orleans at 11, needing that edge pass rusher opposite Cameron Jordan. So 11, 15, not 23 if Derek Barnett tests great. We got to get some Baltimore in here, Josh. And I got one. Mike Fassi asks, at Champagne Fassi, Mel, any chance Mike Williams falls to the Ravens? Possible, uh, not necessarily probable, because it's all going to be contingent upon his workout numbers. Uh, to get him at, at, at that point, middle of the first round, it would be a little bit of a surprise. I think they need more of a veteran receiver. They need to go after somebody proven already. Uh, they have some young receivers on this team that they hope can emerge, like Prashad Perriman, who showed flashes last year, has to eliminate some of the costly drops, but showed flashes. Uh, they need a pass rusher, unless Bronson Kafusi, who was a medical redshirt last year out of BYU, or Kamale Correa, who did nothing as a second 
second-round pick. Somebody of the young group that they have already on this roster comes through, but certainly a pass rusher is desperately needed. And a cornerback safety type, I mean, that's a desperate need as well. Sidney Jones from Washington would be a a nice pick at that point. Uh, This is a team with a host of needs, uh, no question about it. Uh, Some of the young players they've drafted over the years have not come through like they had hoped. Now, that last year they got a lot of guys that they think can be big factors moving forward, not just serviceable guys. So we'll see how that group emerges. But a lot of need areas for the Baltimore Ravens, and this is a key draft for the Ravens to really uh, hit on all those early picks and hope that some of the guys from last year's draft, like Correa and Kafusi, really help out in terms of getting after the quarterback. There we go. One more. Coach at MoneyAce1984 asks, Mel, what are your thoughts on Davis Webb? I'll note, you know, really obviously interesting skill set, but one interesting thing about Davis Webb is he didn't get the invite to your boy Gruden's quarterback camp. So, you know, he's going to have a lot of work to do um, here at the Combine and meeting with teams and and, and telling them that he can be more than, you know, a product of his offense. But where, where do you stack him up, Mel? Well, I think if you look at the quarterbacks going into the year, I thought he'd be the best senior quarterback. And right now, he's the second-highest-rated senior quarterback behind Chris Sproul's all-time favorite, Nate Peterman, at Pitt, uh, who orchestrated an upset victory over Clemson at Death Valley. And uh, if you're watching that game with the five touchdown passes, no interceptions, you believe, hey, Sproul's seen something there with Peterman. So I find them, you sell them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can sell them, Todd, uh, with Todd and Chris on these, on these guys. But uh, I think you're the – Sproul's got Peterman. Sproul's locked into Peterman as his quarterback. But I think Webb, you liked him in the preseason. I remember the first game against Hawaii and the bubble screens and Hanson's catching all those passes. And he could be a guy I think ends up being a much better pro than Webb does, the guy that Webb was throwing to, not Webb. What, what disappointed with Davis Webb was the accuracy. I didn't see it. And I thought so, some missed throws, some missed opportunities. Uh, you know, I love the size, love the height to be able to see the field and all that. He certainly can make the throws arm strength-wise that you need to make. But it just was something missing. And you got a lot of stats, a lot of numbers and all that. He had the great receiver to throw to in Hanson. The great young receiver, the freshman receiver as well, was outstanding. Uh, you had running backs that could get it done. I just didn't see consistency and precision passing and the consistent accuracy uh, that I needed to see to have Davis Webb in the second round, which is where some people think he could go. I think that's a little rich based on what I saw on tape. I would, I would rate him as a fourth or fifth rounder, but if he goes a little higher, it's going to be a risk-reward thing there and some, uh, an opportunity maybe to develop him, we'll see. But I think second round would be a little high for me. Well, we got through your mail. We got through the best defensive players in the draft. I think we named 194. Uh-huh. And we got through the Bengals, the Bills, the Saints, and the Cardinals. Mel, thanks. How's your voice? That's hanging in barely. The bronchitis is still not going away, but hopefully with, as the weeks go on, Chris, leading up the draft day, it'll keep getting hopefully progressively better. That's really nice of uh, – Todd McShay, who was also on and did great work, but to miss out on the mail and make you, you know, burn out those last 10 minutes by yourself. But hey, hopefully you make it till draft day. Let's hope, Chris, and let's hope Todd can join us for an entire podcast next week. We'll be back from the Combine. All of us will be. <laughs> we'll see what happens based on And I'll tell you there what, next week will be a fun week to comment on where these guys are based on how they tested. We'll finally, when all these 100-plus underclassmen finally get their true measurables. Yeah, it is. And, you know, as Mel pointed out, the combine every year you find out something you just didn't expect. A guy who is always 6'4", suddenly 6'2". Mm-hmm. guy who is always running a 4'4", suddenly a 4'6". Everything changes out of Indy. Um, you know, you tend to think you have good information, but there's always some surprises, and we'll be able to talk about them next week here on First Draft. For Mel, for Todd, I'm Chris. We'll do it again. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.